This is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we rewatch very special episodes from the past to see what they have to teach us today. Today we are watching, <laughs> oh folks, the TV movie Desperate Lives. Yay! Yay indeed. This has been definitely a requested thing. It's it's in the, dare I say, the annals <laughs> of special episode history. So this TV movie uh, that originally aired March 3rd, 1982, uh, and was written by Lou Hunter, not like you think you would spell Lou, the wrong way. Uh, which brings us right into You Wrote What, Lou Hunter? Lou Hunter, you wrote what? You, 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 you wrote what? This is amazing. Lou Hunter's got an amazing back catalog of desperate lives, uh, upsetting living, yeah. just every... It's truly, but my favorite one that I found uh, was 1985's Playing With Fire. Mm-hmm. Here's I took I took a quote from I think the Chicago Tribune review of this at the time. <clears throat> quote: He hurls a basketball at his helpless dog Fred. He grabs his little brother and shakes him like a rag doll. He shouts at his sensitive younger sister and as a troubled teenager named David Phillips, who turns to arson as solace for the disintegration of his parents' marriage. He burns down the house. That young arsonist was played by 17-year-old Gary Coleman. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Gary Coleman is wow. a troubled psychopath that in is Playing a, With Fire. That is a road less traveled. Instead of turning to drugs or risky sex or loud partying, turns straight to arson to deal with his teenage <laughs> angst. Interesting. Oh, uh, my parents are uh, better just set the whole house on fire. <laughs> set this on fire. That'll get some attention. Wow, Lou Hunter. Yeah, so this movie, Desperate Lives, I feel like it doesn't have the name recognition, but when I say this is the movie where Helen Hunt jumps out a window, mm-hmm. everybody goes, oh yeah, like that's how, oh, yeah, I, yeah. that's how I remembered it. I definitely watched this in school as some sort of anti-drug, just say no oh. program. I, I remember watching this in school. This is um, 100% the first time I've ever seen this. Oh, really? But you have I've heard seen, of it before, right? Oh, I've seen that clip. Yeah. About a hundred million times. Where it's clearly and laughed a man. And laughed and laughed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A clearly uh, a stunt uh, man in a wig. Yes. Um, so before we get into Desperate Lives, the tagline for which is mm-hmm. verbatim, welcome to Hamilton High, where all the students major in drugs. That sounds like an upbeat, cool comedy, honestly. Um, You put it like that. I think you can find it in pieces on YouTube, but I just went for broke and bought the DVD from Amazon Mm -hmm. um, for $12. So And you loaned me that DVD, and that's what I watched. And spoiler alert, there are no special features on that. No. I mean, (laughs) the whole thing is a special enough feature. Sure, Um, truly. But let's, let's talk about our snacks. What do you got today? Uh, I recently had a very strong memory of eating these things when I was a kid around Halloween time. Uh, they're not great, but again, the childhood memory was very right. strong. Uh, it's, it's <gasps> oh, little yeah. candy corn pumpkin things. Mm-hmm. They're like candy corn, but some of the shitty candy corn taste is missing, so they're bearable. Yeah. And that's what you want from candy. Sure. Bear, bearability. bearability. Um, I actually have something I'm super excited about that I just discovered mm. during quarantine, which is uh, from Trader Joe's, um, and it's called PB&J Snack Duo. 
Oh. And it's this little package, and you get a box of them, and it even has this divot for your thumb. I don't know if you can see this on Zoom, but Ooh like, la la. like you it's, would be holding wow. it, and it would have this divot for your thumb to go in. But it's little, basically like pirouette crackers, and they're peanut mm-hmm. butter flavored, and then a fruit spread that you dip them in. So it's like you make a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. For those listening at home, it's like those old cracker and cheese things where it's like crackers on one side, cheese mm-hmm. in a little cup. Like a handy and snack. A red, yeah, a red stick to help you spread everything out yeah. very unevenly. But you don't yeah, need the except stick. Not this time. Not this time. You learned that the hard way. <laughs> These are very, very good. They taste like tiny, it tastes like a tiny peanut butter and jelly sandwich that you make in your hand. Um, (laughs) I am am very, very into them. (laughs) I usually make them with my feet. Um, That's amazing. Uh, Let's fucking eat some snacks. Let's do it. I want to shoot, baby. Okay, so snacks are delicious. Yeah, uh, snacks are delicious, love Chelsea. A snack. Um, Finally, let I it be known. I feel like we should acknowledge the fact that we have been out of commission for a bit. Yeah. Um, of course, it's 2020, so literally everything is on the table and everything is in chaos. But um, I had some family stuff and yeah. employment stuff to deal with. and. Uh, but thanks for the messages that you sent asking if we were dead or never coming back. That was nice to, nice to get those messages. It's nice. Yeah. But we're here. Yeah, absolutely. I've been slowly turning into an old prospector here in isolation. Yeah. Your beard is luxurious at this point. It's, it's a, yeah, I'm just, there's nothing to stop me from looking like a sea captain now. There's nothing. There's no social norms anymore. It's like, fuck it. Who am I trying to impress? Um, let, Chelsea, let's talk about a goddamn TV movie. Let's huh? do it. So this we've got a movie, lot to say. we've got a lot to say, um, and I'm going to save my sort of meta commentary for the end. But of course, this is one of these 1970s, 80s, just say no, um, even though that wasn't the catchphrase at the time, era, sort of like, let's let's scare kids off drugs using the thing they love best, television. Sure. Um and I uh, found a great review of this on a website called Schlockmania, where they said that um, anti-drug movies from the 80s in particular tend to be memorable, particularly when the filmmakers' good intentions outpace their understanding of drug addiction, which I think Truly. is exactly what has happened here. These people are terrified of kids and drugs, but don't know very much about kids or drugs. Very um, much so. And so they've put this combo together in a way that feels to us now to be hysterically laughable. There um, is there yeah. is almost the the and and I'll I'll point this out throughout. They almost make the case against themselves in this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie almost is a a warning against doing what this movie is begging you to do. Throughout, it's just yep. nothing great happens. Everybody's really misguided. Everything's too simplified. And also, um, oh, what's the word? Uh, it's shitty. <laughs> it's uh, it, The acting it's is also, over the top. Also, could be better. 
That's the, the, that's the thing. My favorite, one of my favorite things ever, which is that the people, they try to invent teenage slang instead of just <laughs> When was like, this? Oh, when they're saying like, I can handle, I can handle. Oh, dude, they or do say I can one of my favorite things, which is like, you know what's bummed? Um, uh, getting high at school, that's bummed. And I'm like, I don't think you're using the word bummed correctly. I don't think anybody's ever used it that way. Yeah, you can't just make nouns into verbs and verbs into (laughs) nouns. That's a child's job. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's like none of you has a teenage kid that you could just sit down for an hour and be like, what do you and your friends say right now? Like for real, pay him 50 bucks and get some slang as opposed to being like, we'll just invent it. It will sound weird now and it will sound super weird in 40 years. My, my very favorite uh, comedian of all time, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, has a bit where he talks about reading the book uh, Go Ask Alice. Um, and he talks about this specifically where he talks about one of the one of the well, the main character, Alice, is going to uh, an insane, insane asylum. And she's like, well, they're locking me up in the insane asylum. The booby hatch. The freak wharf. <laughs> Specifically, freak wharf, and it's it's the exact what? same thing. He makes the same point where it's like, I don't know, what do they, what do kids say these days? <laughs> Pretty sure they say freak wharf. Yeah, freak wharf. Wait. Pretty sure they say bummed. Is a freak I mean, wharf where freaks get on ships, or are the freaks ships? I will refer you to Paul F. Tompkins' album Freak Wharf to find out more about this. <laughs> He really does go into a lot of it that uh, I won't. I won't <laughs> oh my I God. Won't All right. I'm going to repeat look that up. verbatim, though I could. Um, yeah. And it does not help that this is late 70s, early 80s uh, sensibilities, I guess I'll put in quotations, where like vans and fashion and things are just not, not yeah. relatable at all. But also, it's like anytime there could be a nuanced or subtle version of a thing we Mm -hmm. go for the crazy like uh subtle as a slap to the face version so for instance perfect example we open in a graveyard jesus christ (laughs) we we could open anywhere in the city and we open in a freaking graveyard um yes the first shot of the movie is of headstones the music is overtly ominous Yeah, yeah, yeah um and a sporty shiny car drives through the graveyard piloted by a fancy man in a gold chain and i'm just like all right cool so this is it so we have a fancy car in a graveyard he's definitely the drug dealer and drugs will kill you that's I didn't the symbolisms get that. You didn't get the symbolism? Uh, no, no, I definitely 100, 100% understood that cemetery death drugs. I got it. I thought we were going to do the thing where it's like, oh, here we're all gathering for the funeral of oh. Helen Hunt probably. And what? how did we get here? And then right. we flash back. I did notice, and I'm, I'm, I'm really curious if you noticed this. Did you see the tombstone that was just too big? <laughs> no. There was a real fat tombstone out there. <laughs> no. I, I don't know how I better to explain it. It's like uh, somebody overfed a tombstone. I was like, oh. <laughs> too big. Too much. It was off-putting. I, I was distracted in various shots. So yeah, this dude pulls into a, a graveyard, eats some seeds, and then we're just like, well, let's let's see some, uh, let's see a kid skateboard for a while, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of, this opening is like a bunch of shots that are not connected to each other, and there's no context for who these people are. So 
There's a dude sitting in his fancy car in the graveyard mm. just eating seeds. Cut to an innocent teen boy skateboarding. The music changes to tell us he's an innocent teen boy. Right. Um, and then we cut to a large van which holds approximately 46 teenagers, none uh-huh. of whom are wearing seatbelts, and they're all passing of, around a joint. Of a very diverse casting. Way to go, Desperate Lives. <laughs> yes. None of the people of color will have any speaking lines, but they will, no, no, they no, no, will no, no, be no. in the shot. It's still 1982, Chelsea. This yeah, is right. the best we can hope for. So they're all in this van, and one of them points out the skateboarding boy and says, isn't that your brother, Scotty? And then this van, which I'm calling the Paw Patrol, pulls over, and they the offer- what patrol? The Paw Patrol? Patrol. I thought you said the Paw Patrol, and I'm like, you can't use that. It's already, it's already <laughs> it's being already used a for thing. a thing. Um, yeah. So they offer Scotty a ride, and he gets in. And at this point, you don't know, like- is he super straight laced? Is he gonna be freaked out that his sister's in this van where Am everybody's high on drugs, hot? or is this just poorly written? <laughs> What's going on? Lots of questions. And we go next. I understand what you said. They're trying to set everything up without giving yes. you any idea of what anything yes. is. Like, I don't know what Helen Hunt's name is until like three scenes from now, and right. it's Sandy. Sandy. Sandy Everyone, and Scotty. Sandy and Scotty and Susie and Sammy and and Steve. Everybody in this movie almost has an S name, which is like bad writing 101. If all your characters' right. names sound exactly the same. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the next uh, the next little snippet we get is the the most heroic woman you'll ever meet, Eileen something or another. Um, she's getting into a car to go to her first day at school. She works there as a counselor and she's saying goodbye to her boyfriend, who I didn't look up who this dude is, but he looks... Like such a generic star, I I wrote down he's he's at at the top of the scene. He's like fixing the car, and my notes say Schmobert Schmedford is yeah, fixing he's the like car. The Sam's Club version of yes. Robert Redford to the point where mm. you do a double take. I'm like, what did, is is that? Did Robert Redford have like a not as attractive brother? His name is Art Hendel. Mm. Um, I that don't know right. uh, what else he did, but that's his name. But I had the same double take. I was like, I don't remember. Cut rate Robert Redford being in this movie, and yet there he is. Remember the Mexican equivalent of Robert Redford, Roberto uh, uh, um, Rubio Rojoford. Um. <laughs> Rojoford, that's even better. <laughs> even better. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know um, wh- how you are supposed to know who these people are. I There's there's no context. She's going to her first day. We know it's the first day of school because the, the pot patrol told us that. And she turns out to be a new guidance counselor who's very yeah. young. But at but, the time I was like, are, are uh, these that, their parents? Like, Yeah, I was like, we- that must be their mother. Why else would you click from one to the next without any explanation whatsoever? Yeah. Yep. Fuck it. And, I, and at this point, we don't know what kind of lives they're living. Uh, no. Rick Springfield has not told us yet. Yes, no. Um, but the next thing that happens, the next thing that we cut to was when I was like, we have to we have to do this. Not only is it a thing that has been requested, and I think I remember, but this mm-hmm. is the shot that made me think Andy will love this, which is we cut to a suitcase full of drugs. Suitcase full of I, that is in my notes. <laughs> suitcase full of drugs! Exclamation parts. Yep, you got your the, goofballs. You got your yellow jackets. Boy, oh boy, <laughs> this guy's got everything. He's not just some fucking drug dealer who's only got three types of drugs. No. He's got like seven or eight types of drugs. There are little cellophane bags. There are little vials. Little vials. Like vials of things. There are huge bags of weed. Yeah. Um, and A bag of just like straight up joints. Yes. I mean, he's or really... tie it's sticks, a, it's if a I could ever understand what that is. Yeah, he's got like... It's quite an assortment. He is a business drug dealer. Yeah, he really wants 
to keep his customers happy with a variety of stuff. So we're back in the graveyard and it turns out where the kids were headed in the van on the way to school, they made a stop at the graveyard to buy their drugs from this guy whose name turns out to be Kin. He is the local uh, drug dealer about town and the Cameron oh, siblings, oh, Helen. Did, Hint, you, did you miss his last name? Ken Bain. Oh my forking. Yeah. Exactly. They're like, all right, we won't give him an S first name, but we make the last name super spot on. Can we call him Ken Death? No. Uh, what about Ken O Drug Dealer? <laughs> <laughs> was that too was that too much? On the nose, too on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> so Ken Bain turns out to be, you know, the uh, a very prepared, well prepared drug dealer. And the Cameron siblings uh are are their focal point here. Uh, mm. Scotty and Sandy, they don't buy anything from him, but they talk about how they've both tried drugs in the past. Sure. But Helen Hunt is clear to tell us at this point, I've experimented, you've experimented, but we don't use. So that's our starting point. We're starting not with two people who've never tried drugs, but with two people who can, in the vernacular of this movie, handle. So Sure, uh, without getting bummer. <laughs> right, bummed. I believe you mean bummed. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I am out of touch. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. it's, it's, and again, this is the hard line that this script, again, which is three minutes in, maybe, the hard line it draws is you've either tried it once or you are addicted to drugs. Yes. And you can't get by without them. Right. And also, like, you can't just, like, smoke pot sometimes. You have to be hardcore mm -hmm. on PCP freaking out yeah. or so addicted to coke that you can't go a day without of it. There's no sort of like, yeah, the, you know, clueless style, like the, the burnouts hang out on the grassy knoll over there. You know, there's yeah. none of that. It is like either you are a straight kid. They talk about the straight kids, you know, the kids yeah. who don't use, or you are a raging lunatic. Yeah. So there's no, there's no functional anything here. And it's like, that's not how any drugs work, especially, you know pot and cocaine. There are so many high-functioning cocaine right, users exactly. in this world right now. Oh my god. I hear that if you're um if you're like jacked up on amphetamines the the entire time of your life you can be uh, the president of the United States even. Weird. Yeah, so he has coke uh which everybody asks about but no one buys cuz apparently it's like he's jacked up the price or something. Julie, who's one of the one of the pot patrol can't afford it, so she's like, "Your place later, Kenny, we'll work it out." And he says, "We always do." And so it's like, all right, cool. So we have, um, we have sex work going on. We have I missed girls. That. I missed that the first time. Oh yeah, we have girls trading sex for drugs. And that's um, just Julie, casually thrown I in. Believe. Yeah, Julie. Yeah. Um, casually thrown in in the first scene. So let's establish that if you can't pay, if you're a girl, sure. um, you can trade sex. And then uh, he, Ken throws Scotty, the young <laughs> skateboarding boy, a free sample. And if we know anything, it's a, the first two are free. And then the third exactly. time, if you don't buy the drugs, he'll kill you. Um, so next to my complete delight, Ooh. we have the Desperate Lives theme song written Desperate and lives. performed by Rick Springfield. Um, Stuck in the middle. Desperate lives. My life is a riddle. Yeah, it's about it's drugs. It's not, It's there's nothing subtle. It's not symbolic. It's uh -uh. not allegorical. It's literally like, I'm doing drugs. Everybody's doing drugs. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> the worst. There's no hope at all. And I'm, like, Rick I'm Rick Springfield. Please keep paying attention to me. No, okay, that's fine. 
I want to know. Okay, so this is 1982. Jesse's Girl came out in late 70s. Where, where's the Wikipedia? I need to know. Where's the Wikipedia? 1981. This is Rick oh, Spring at the height of his powers. He's riding high on Jesse's Girl. They like roped so many poor Rick Springfield into this when sticks. he was still very popular. That's really something. Wow. When he and, and Sylvester Stallone's brother were duking it out. Oh. Who will be the better brother singer guy? <laughs> well, I formally request when uh, Life Performance comes back that Levi Petrie and the Radio Publica cover oh, this at please. a live show. And how about this? Lives by Brick Springfield. I know you're listening, Spotify, so I'm just going to say this one time. Put Rick Springfield's <laughs> Desperate Lives on Spotify so I can listen to it. Get the Do it now. <laughs> People are asking, now you know. There's no backing out of it this time, Spotify. I am also asking. Uh, everybody's in the van enjoying drugs. Everybody's enjoying <laughs> joints mostly, but some fucking asshole brought a hookah. And I'm like, Ugh. Yes, in the van. <laughs> I'm like, come on. That's like a typewriter at a coffee shop. Don't be don't, don't be the hookah van that. person. There's don't. so many joints. We don't need that whole so apparatus. Many joints. So many joints. Who are you, hookah lady? So Sandy asks the driver of the pot patrol van, her boyfriend Steve, I who's here a- paw patrol every <laughs> single time. I'm like, what? Oh, those dogs are on drugs. They shouldn't be doing a kid's show if they're going to be no, high all the time. No, they should get straight. So Stan- Sandy asks Steve, who is her about useless boyfriend, yep. if they can go to the mountains this weekend to do some off-road stuff to celebrate their two-week anniversary. And he kind of shrugs, but going to the mountains to do some off-road stuff is going to be foreshadowing. So I just want to like plant that foreshadowing in yeah. your if you, brain. If you ever wondered how fucking boring life was in 1982, <laughs> this, this show is going to tell you all about it. There are three things you could have done, and people are enjoying them way too much, um, including bike riding, which I'm like, cool Drugs, it. bike riding, and going to the mountains are the three so, things that are available. They get to school, and immediately, the first day at school counselor gets cut off two times trying to get into the parking lot. And it's like, I get it, but, you know, maybe let's all be a little cool. Especially if you're in a van full of joints, maybe you don't want to cut anybody off. Maybe be cool. Maybe don't be such a bummed. No, Um, they're all bummed. They're all bummed. And they get out. uh, They get out, and, and the teacher's yelling at them. And they've decided that Scotty is so high. They're just going to leave him in there. Just leave him in the van. Just leave yeah. him in the van. It's also clear that this is in L.A. somewhere in the greater yeah. L.A. area because the mountains, I looked it up, this was shot at Newhall High School, which is just south of Santa Clarita. So oh, um, the the useless boyfriend, Steve, gets out of the car and um, uh, what's her name? Eileen. Eileen yeah. also gets out of the car and she's furious because she's been cut off and he is just he kind of blows her off and like shrugs because she's so young looking he figures she's a student even though Helen Hunt is like I think she's a teacher um, yeah she's got a real teacher vibe she really happening. does it's the sweater vest but yeah. Scotty then climbs out of the van all the other kids are gone she sees him sort of leaning really hard like the he might fall off the world like mm-hmm. leaning on this van for dear life and so and she carrying walks a skateboard over. so double suspect so obviously can, a ne'er-do-well she can we walks talk over about her accent by the way oh yeah I actually want to um yeah. I have a note about that later I'm guessing because of the way you're saying that that you don't like her accent 
Well, I was going to do my impression of the first thing that I hear. Well, what she says to Scotty. Yeah, go for it. Is the what she says is, have you been smoking? How she says it is, have you been smoking? Yeah, she's got a really weird accent, but it's 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 authentic. She's from Georgia. Like this actor is from Georgia. I this, would have guessed Canada, honestly. <laughs> she has got an accent that I recognize as being like a specific subset of a Southern accent really? that no one would think of as a Southern accent. Like if you no. didn't know that, but it it's one of these weird, very... Also, this actor, um, whose last name is Scarwind, and I can't remember her front name. Hold Ooh, on. Scarwind. That's... That sounds like uh, somebody in my D&D adventure. Diana Scarwood. Sorry, there's no in. Uh, Diana Scarwood. And she is best known. She's like a huge cult star because she played the daughter in Mommy Dearest and earned an Academy Award nomination. Holy shit. For a different movie. But like she is not nobody. She played the daughter in Mommy Dearest. I didn't catch that. I I looked through her history because she looked familiar. And she's just been working steadily forever yeah and so she i didn't realize it went back that far that's crazy yeah 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 so she was like this she's this like cult star because she was the daughter of mommy dearest and she's actually from georgia and she has this very specific very like good hyper local georgia accent like this is the thing that i think is so interesting is like if you she's supposed to be from tennessee the character is supposed to be from tennessee yeah and if a person if a casting director said to someone who's from canada or from like (laughs) la okay now you're from tennessee they would never in a million years come up with an accent that sounded like this or like they were from tennessee it would be some sort of like Hey, y'all, what's going on? Have exactly. you been smoking? Standard Southern, whatever that yeah. means. Like, the thing that I like about her accent is, like, you can't make it up. It's, like, it's too authentic. No. I'm I'm amazed to, to hear that. I am obviously in the northern southern states is, mm-hmm. is where my experience is. And it does, now that we're talking about it, sound a little mountainy. Yeah, um, right? Yeah, there are a lot of, you run into a lot of Appalachian folk, um, uh, the, the Billies from the hill. Um, as it were, uh, and they do have sort of a weird, like it's almost Philadelphia liquidy kind of like ooh sound. In the interesting words. thing about, well, I we talk about Miles and I lived in Appalachia for a while, and I uh-huh. love to talk about dialects. But the thing is, like when you talk about people who are from mountainous areas, then they all have slightly different dialects because they're completely isolated from each yeah. other. Like it can take you several hours to go a mile up in the mountains because there, there's no straight route, you know, like the people can live very close to each other and still be very isolated. But anyway, right. um, so she says, should I take you to the nurse? Do you know where you are? And he tries to ditch her cause he knows a narc when he meets one. He's like, straight get out up. of my way. I gotta go somewhere. <laughs> I gotta but be then, high in class now, but <laughs> right. But then somehow he ends up outside her office because he's a freshman and she's a guidance counselor. And mm-hmm. so there are two guidance counselors offices next to each other. They split the alphabet and so she's, he's sitting outside waiting to see a guidance counselor as she's getting hit on by a math teacher. Um, this is, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot wrong with everything here. But yeah. this guy comes up and he's like, hey, welcome to school. Let me take you to dinner. And she's like, I have a boyfriend. He's like, oh, I lost a man. What a bummer. Yeah, within I... the first five minutes, he's like, hey, I'll take you to dinner. And she's like, yeah, my boyfriend will love you. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess It's that's my favorite all. dude thing where he's like, well, if it wasn't for that, we would have definitely gone to dinner. <laughs> There's nothing standing in my way except some right. dude already claimed you. 
Um, so she is not supposed to have Scotty's name because of the way the alphabet is split. She's she has the mm-hmm. um, I, uh, she has the latter half, half of the yeah, and he's she has in the, the back front half. end, whatever. Yeah, but she trades him like it's the draft with the other <laughs> guidance Does, counselor. Says, I'll give you a, a, a Tommy Morrison or something for that. Right. I'll give you a Tommy Morrison for the Scotty Cameron. Because she's like, he reminds me of my brother back in Tennessee. And I'm like, what? Because he's blonde? You've spent 14 seconds with this kid. Yeah. How does he remind you of your brother? But anyway, she ends up with him as a as a student client, what, you know, counselee. Sure. Yeah. And um, they have the weirdest scene. Yeah. It's it's so bizarre. She basically starts by walking him through his schedule. And he's like, I don't care about any of this. I especially don't care about P.E., I used to play sports, but like not anymore. And that's not my, that's not my thing anymore, man. I right. got real bummed on it. Yeah, exactly. This is where bummed comes into play. I and think she's so. like, it's around here. You need to pick a. You need to pick a PE class. Why don't you take a swimming class? Uh-huh. I'm in charge of swimming class, and I'm like, what? Like, that's, I've understood. What, I understand yeah. a guidance, guidance counselor might have to like sponsor a club or something, but being a lifeguard slash swimming teacher seems like a specialized skill set that shouldn't overlap with a full-time guidance counselor job. Also in her pitch, she's like, it's a good after school activity and this and that pretty girls. Pretty girls. Yeah. Don't you want to take my class where you'll see girls in their bathing suits? It's like, what is that really? That's your, that's your pitch, huh? Um, but he it says gets more this disturbing is, when we see swim swim class. We'll we'll get there. Right. She he says uh, this is all bummed, and she says getting high on your first day is what's really bummed, and then she says she knows about <laughs> drugs and drug users and and then and, immediately counters that because he says something and she's like sure get angry you're coming down now so. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm like, is it going to turn out that her brother is like a drug addict and that's how, but no, that's not it. No, No, it's not that. She just just read a thing one time. Right. No, look, she's right though. Scotty is in that notorious weed come down phase. Yeah. How many of us haven't seen somebody wandering the streets on that weed hole? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Stuck in the the W hole. You just start getting angry for no reason. Oh boy, oh boy. Um, but finally, she's so she's like, what's going on? Your grades are dropping. Is it dope? Your parents getting a divorce? And he finally blows up and he's like, look, I turned 16 in January. I'm planning to drop out. You can just forget <laughs> all of this. Peace. <laughs> Shove that in your swim class, lady. And this is and then he storms out, which is his signature move. This kid is going to storm, storm a lot. But I have just realized um, in terms of the hero's journey, this is the moment oh. where I realized this is Eileen's hero's journey, the guidance counselor. Yeah. So I'm talk. I'm calling the moment that she takes on Scotty as a student, and they have this weird scene. I'm calling that the call to adventure. She that's, sees that's him, very wise. and she's like, "That's yeah. my. That's this is my cause celebre. I shall take up arms against bummed kids." Oh, great! Now our whole our entire podcast is going to suggest French things. Thanks. Yes, exactly. And the sick ordinary world that we're dealing with is Hamilton High, where all the students major in drugs. So yeah. that that is uh, we have this outsider come to town she's the new sheriff in town she's gonna set it to rights right that's the hero's journey that we're on yeah absolutely you know how to say a uh, hero's journey in german how du bist mein frau 
I don't think that's right. No, Doesn't we... Eileen get Scotty to agree to a swim meet or something here? Yeah, she somehow tricks him into smiling and agreeing to take her swim class. He's on drugs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> don't you, can, you can get me to agree to smile about anything when I'm on drugs. It's drugs. It's drugs. All right. So next the movie gets canceled uh, because we go to <laughs> a pep rally. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> They have costume, they have insulting costume changes in their prep rally, their yes. pep rally. Um, so this yeah. is a this is a school whose mascot is uh, like a native person. Sure. Um, and I'm sure they're called at in the vernacular of the time, they're the fighting Indians. And there's sure. like a sign on the wall. It's like Indians on the war path. And yeah. it's all racist. It's all appropriated. And mm-hmm. uh, the, we got racist mascots jogging around. We got racist costumes on the drill team. It's all bad. Um, also, remember when cheerleading was like, like signal flag arms and not dancing and stunts and flips and breaking all your ribs. No, it was always that for me uh, in my life, not my cheerleading career, which never got off the ground. Um, no, they had, it was divided in my school. It was cheerleaders and then flag squad or color guard right, or right. something like that. It was two different things. Yeah, but even the cheerleaders are just like, maybe they're doing a basket toss. They're doing some simple stunts, but it's really mm. just a lot of like, first and 10, get to it, and clapping, as opposed yeah. to like insane choreography. I don't know. I feel like cheerleading has gotten out of control, and that's where I'll oh, end that. It's, um, not, it's not great now. It's, it's yeah, I, I haven't checked out the Netflix reality special. Oh, I have. I they used to like play cheerleading uh, when it was like a Saturday and there was fucking nothing on TV and you were flipping around. There'd always be cheerleading contests on ESPN that I'd flip past. I mean, it's uh, incredible. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it's a whole other thing. It's its own sport. It's totally that separate is. from like leading pep rallies. Exactly. Um, I'm impressed by it. I'm not not trying to put it down or say it's not impressive, but it's like it bears no relation to what these girls are doing in this no. movie. Plus, they're wearing white gloves, which I've never seen before. Yeah, it's weird. weird. Um, and someone so, is smoking. Yeah. Several kids are just passing joints around during the pep rally right in front of teachers. Yeah. And they're, the math teacher that hit on her previously is like oblivious. And the other guidance counselor sees it and like doesn't care. And Eileen is incensed yeah. that these kids would be bedrug dealt right here <laughs> at this pep rally in school and no one cares. So when the pep rally is over, she tries to get the attention of um, the other guidance counselor to like you confront him. And she says, it's, and he's like, it's just pot. You know, that's nothing new around here. And anyway, no. I'm just one person. What do you expect me to do? Hey, he's like, we don't give a shit about nonviolent drug offenders here, lady. <laughs> right. And she says, why do y'all allow this to happen? And he tells her to go fight City Hall. And go she fight says, City Hall. I will. I just will. And I was like, what? What? I'm yeah, sure drugs no. are illegal. So like, why is City Hall being brought into this? And you won't. You just won't. Like, you never set foot in City Hall. You never yeah. set foot anywhere outside the school. No. Oh, no. So, she goes to the lake. She goes to the uh, lake. Maybe City Hall's by the lake. I don't know. <laughs> but I just also, don't understand this exchange. He's like, go fight City Hall. And I'm like, City Hall's. City Hall's on her side. Like, what What are you talking about? Yeah, it's it's not... It, look, and Eileen, if you're upset about the kids smoking, why don't you stand up and go talk to the kids who are smoking instead of, like, right. trying to get the, the gentleman to do this for you or somebody who's closer. Right, uh, or she she's just sort of like, has no one noticed? And everybody that she talks to is like, no, we know. 
We know the yeah. kids are smoking pot. We just have decided that we have bigger battles to fight. Which and look at this. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it seems like everybody's doing pretty okay right now. Yeah. Okay. And then we're going to get into this next scene, which really breaks down the problem between like the, the sensibilities in this TV movie. So next, I'm assuming it's the, the principal, yes, Dr. Dr. Jarvis, Jarvis. Um, has apparently been too busy and he's missed an appointment with Eileen, who was going to talk to him about the they were smoking pot and how she's going to fight City Hall. Yeah, uh, he's basically a used car salesman. Yeah. Um, he's walking around school doing the thing where he's throwing finger guns out at the students being like, hey, Johnny scored a touchdown. Okay, hey, well, Susie got the lead in the school play. I'm sorry, you're missing the very first thing that he says, which is, are the tacos in the cafeteria any better, Manuel? Yeah, yeah cancel and Manuel count is three. like... <laughs> No, they suck. <laughs> it's like, they're, they're terrible, sir. And I am more than a food group. <laughs> but here's the thing. So this entire conversation is Eileen, a uh, counselor lady, uh, saying, hey, uh, you, there's so many drugs on this campus. You can get anything. And there's abusers. And we've got to do something. And this principal is engaging with kids and saying, hey, how's that thing going? Hey, you're going to do good on the game. And hey, this and that. He's getting involved in kids' lives. He seems pretty plugged in. Seems pretty plugged in. And the, you, you get a very specific and I'm sure very unintentional both sides of the, the argument, which is Eileen going, we have to do something. We have to institute programs and do talks and things like that. While Dr. Jarvis is getting involved with the kids' lives and could plug into the pressures and abuses right. and traumas that usually lead kids to become addicted to drugs. Right. Because once again, we have like drugs are a zombie that once you are bitten by the drugs, yeah. you are now a zombie as opposed to like drugs are a coping mechanism for other things that are happening in your family and in your academic life and in your, in your world They're you know, they are a symptom. They are not the cause. Um, Dr. Jarvis does not care <laughs> about mm -hmm. Eileen. Eileen he, is freaking out. She wants to she put is. all the kids on buses and take them to drug wards and scare them straight. And yeah. he's looking around and he's sort of like, the school is functioning well. Kids are mm -hmm. going to class. Like even the kids that are like super on drugs still came to school and they seem to be <laughs> they doing okay. They made it to school. <laughs> you know, like. Scotty agreed to a swim meet. Everything's going it's great. It's fine. And then he points out the school narc, the narcotics <laughs> officer who is eating alone on the grass oh, mean, and looks 45. You mean, you mean 21 Chump Street over there? You mean 42 Jump Street? Because he's 42 years old. He looks so old and he's eating by himself and I want to be like, you need a, a different narcotics a officer. sandwich in a bag by a tree. And I'm like, ugh, this dude's. You know what this dude needs? Drugs. <laughs> Not great at his job. And oh. Eileen says, I'm talking about the kids. I just can't stand by and watch everybody do nothing. And Dr. Jarvis says, this is every high school USA. Some things are simply too widespread for us to do anything. Everything you mentioned, I have tried over and over again. I'm sorry. And she's like, you're retiring soon, right? And he takes that as a threat in a way I don't particularly follow. But his parting words to her are, maybe it is your turn, but be careful. You can be dead wrong being dead right. 
That's good, but that is, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> that is not that is the the second most baller thing he says in this conversation. <laughs> the first one is uh, Eileen is is she's like I've been here for two weeks and you can get any drug easier than than the cafeteria food, and that's only because there are lines for the cafeteria food. And he says I don't know. Sometimes those dope lines are kind of long. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> this fucking principal's a baller. <laughs> It's a dope answer, man. I don't know. Sometimes I have to wait a couple minutes for my pot. He's like, I get to cut the cafeteria lines. They don't let me cut the dope lines. Uh, Cut to swim class. Yeah. Oh, by the way, one of those pretty girls was Eileen herself. These are Yes, she's going to wear a bathing Mm -mm. suit Mm -mm. to teach Mm -mm. swim class, which is also somehow a competitive swim team. It's both a PE class and a team, um, except we don't see them doing anything but getting into and out of the pool ever. We never see anybody swim (laughs) later on. Later on, there's people like splashing each other, and she's like, "Okay, practice is over." And I'm like, "Have I been practicing for a swim meet my entire life?" <laughs> they just get into and out of the pool all the time. So, <laughs> well, that's that's an important part of a swim meet. Right, you so- will have to get into the pool, and then you will have to get out. So, Julie of mm-hmm. the, um, I'll trade you sex I'm for coke. Fuck you for coke. Yeah, yeah, is uh, just dead bands floating in the pool. <laughs> <She's> fucking. <laughs> Dead. All right. If the last scene didn't do it for you, Eileen was too busy with some bullshit on her own to notice that a child died 10 feet away yeah, from her. She performs CPR. Like everybody gets out of the pool and Julie's just floating. So Eileen jumps in the pool. She performs CPR, resuscitates yeah. her. No one knows what happened. And one of the kids, oh, I take it back. This is the only person of color that has a line in the entire movie. Oh, says, She's just a dumb doper, Miss Phillips. And I'm like, okay. So once again, I would say we need a specialized person to teach this class and not the guidance yeah. counselor doing an elective. Like obviously people's lives are on the line oh, yeah. in this sport. So yeah. maybe we should get someone who's like a live trained lifeguard. Wouldn't leave someone floating face down in the pool for a couple minutes before the other kids noticed. I'm sorry, Chelsea. This person is dead. She brings this person back to life with CPR. <laughs> They're not breathing. They're floating face down in a pool. You failed as yeah. a swim practice leader. <laughs> you get you let a child die. That's the that's it. That's, that's the disqualifying the, factor. The biggest thing. And Eileen is serving us Winona in Stranger Things season one faces of concern. They are truly up, something to behold. I mean, she is... borderline hysterical or hysterical for this entire movie. Those are the two speeds. She wears her heart on her sleeve, and by sleeve, I mean face. And by face, I mean it never goes away. Never turn it off. So now we're going to cut to the Cameron home. Woo! Head, two, toe, puce! (laughs) This mother. Which is also, like, weird because you want to say, okay, if this is Eileen's hero's journey... It's like they couldn't, they wanted to have this heroic guidance counselor who could dedicate herself wholly to this fight for these kids that everyone else had given up on. But they understand that, like, a lot of the people they're trying to scare, i.e., the parents, mm. aren't guidance counselors. So we yeah. need to make sure we spend enough time with the mom, and the mom gets to go through enough horrible things uh, that people can 
also had this other proxy. So like we just in terms of storytelling, we spend like a lot of time not with Eileen for Eileen being the protagonist. I also feel like half of that is, well, we got to see these kids live in their lives. Right. And right. We got to watch all the ways that the system has failed them. Right. So their mom is Diane Ladd uh, <sighs> and she's getting dinner ready and she complains that dad's working 16 hour shifts and, and it's hard on her and blah, blah, blah. And then she tells Scotty he has terrible friends. She <laughs> says, you grab to a bad class of people you know that don't you and i was like oh goodness Mm, that's like that's some real shade that's not just like look i'm concerned about you that's like your fucking taste sucks yeah that's not even saying your friends are bad it's like you draw poor people exactly you draw bad characters to you as a bad person that's a fucking diss that's harsh truly can we talk for a second about how scotty just looks like current day giovanni rabisi (laughs) He does not at all. He looks 13 and 30 at the same time. (laughs) I'll give you that much. All right, fair. You do a Uh, side-by-side comparison. I'm not kidding. He looks like Giovanni. He looks like time-traveling Giovanni (laughs) Rabisi. But like time travels from next year back in time. Okay. Yeah. Um, So Scott says the the line beloved by teenagers everywhere, get off my back. I'm under a lot of pressure. Right. Um, He storms out again. He's getting famous for it at this point. So good at storming out everywhere. It's like this guy cannot figure out how to end a scene with Scotty in it. So he just storms out when he's done with his lines. Kind of wish Uh, he would partly sunny out of the door sometimes. (laughs) Right. Overcast skies. Mm -hmm. Um, Helen Hunt says, let him go, mom. He just needs some space. He's growing up. So, of course, they let him go. And then he comes home high as a kite and calls his sister a bitch. And I'm just like, dude, she's your only ally. Is this really how you want to to handle it? Yeah, we cut to Scotty's room later on. And Helen's like, hey, are you high? And he's like, shut up, bitch. (laughs) And it's like, this is... (laughs) This is too much. And again, (laughs) I feel like we're still like really depending on, because right now he's just, as far as I'm, I'm, (laughs) as far as I can tell, he's only, it's only weed. Yes. Okay. I have to, I have to, I have to tell you about this guy I ran into yesterday. Okay. Because this made me think of it. So I was walking to the post office uh, the other day. And there was a fella who was standing by the sidewalk in like the little grassy area between the sidewalk and the the street, uh, not wearing a mask. Sure. uh, Definitely wearing cargo shorts and a shirt that said U.S. Airborne Marine something or another. It was the kind of shirt you'd buy if you definitely weren't in the military ever. Hadn't served, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not wearing a mask. And as I walk by him, he's talking onto a Bluetooth. He wipes... Open mouth, while he's talking, wipes his hand across his mouth and then flicks all of his spit into my path. And I was like, and I was, I was like, are you, are you fucking kidding me right now? I was like, that's I'm not the okay. worst thing I've ever seen. I was like, you can't, I, was, I just said, look, you can't fling your spit at people, dude. I mean, you don't wear a mask, great, but you can't fucking do that. And I just kept walking and I heard something and I turned around. And this dude is not done with me yet. <gasps> it's fine. Uh, look, I wish I was better at confrontations because this could have been a lot funnier of a story or a story <sighs> if I wasn't like, I'm scared of confrontations. This dude <laughs> turned around and he's like, he's talking and I'm like, I take out my headphones. And I'm like, what are you saying? And he's like, hey, man, you must have bugging. Where did you escape from a mental institution? You talking to me like that? And I was like, what? what? He's like, you must have, you must have bumped your head getting out of bed this morning, dude. I was like, are you talking to me like an 80s wrestler, sir? (laughs) 
which I didn't say, but I wish I had. I wish I had been like, I'm sorry, sir. Are you about to tell me that Hulkamania is going to run wild on me? You're about to lay the smack down. Are you going to suggest that I snap into some sort of Slim Jim? <laughs> he was like, don't talk to me like that. Don't don't come around here again, man, or I'm going to deal with you, brother. And I was like, yeah, just okay. What? I also yeah. love that Like the thing that he's offended by is your tone. Yeah. Did you take that tone with me? That Not is my... Like- f- my Not favorite. like that you were mad that he wasn't wearing a mask or that eh. he was being... It was just like your, the tone that you yeah. took with him. Hey, show me some respect when I'm being an utter piece of shit. <laughs> oh so anyway, so Macho Man uh, is <laughs> <laughs> reincarnated, apparently hanging out here in Los Angeles. I'm sorry that happened. What a fucking That's idiot. okay. Well, here's the problem is I'm in isolation. I've been in isolation since the, the quarantine just because, you know, happenstance, luck. All my friends have someone immunocompromised. So anytime I have that kind of reaction, I just dwell on it for the next two days because it's the only in-person social yeah. interaction I have. So yeah. I've been thinking about uh, the Randy Macho Man douchebag all all day. I fucking hate that. Sorry, man. It's okay. So people are the worst, including Scott. Shut he- up, bitch. I'm recording him. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not saying that to it you. I'm just like. Oh, no, I'm I know. So it bewildered. Reminds me of the um the just say no episode of Different Strokes, where uh, Nancy Reagan is like, "Let me tell you a story about this guy who smoked and pot." Gary Coleman says, "Shut up, bitch! I'm going to burn down this house." <laughs> no, now you're confusing. You're oh, confusing am I? Oh, yes. my bad. Sorry. No, I'm she's on like, a, "Let me tell you a story about a right kid now. who smoked weed and then beat up his sister or what, for weed money or whatever it was." Yeah. Where it's just like, dude, do you? Do, drugs have different effects, yeah. a on different could, people, but b like. Weed is not known for making people unduly aggressive. Yeah. It is known for the opposite of that. Um, The worst I've ever heard is I heard about a a guy who got so upset at weed, he just threw his devil sticks on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) That's about as aggressive as Just name any other drug. That's all you have to do, 80s people. Coke. Heroin. Coke makes people assholes. Yes. Throw acid. Nobody knows anything about acid. You can be like, oh, it's on acid. So he stabbed somebody with a spear. Oh, that sounds right. That makes sense. Um, Uh, I assume that's correct. But no, he's he's been smoking pot. And so he comes home and calls his sister a bitch Mm -hmm. just because she's kind of checking in on him. And she's like, you're addicted. And he admits it. He's like, I just want out and starts to cry. And she hugs him. And I'm just like, this kid is... This kid is already like either storming out or crying. And I'm not saying he shouldn't cry. Men should cry. Boys should cry. Everybody should cry. But it seems like it truly seems like this writer cannot figure out how to end a scene with this character. No. No, he either dissolves kid... into tears or storms yeah. out of the room every conversation that he has. There's nothing. And, and another problematic part of this script is I don't care about any of these people. Like, nobody's done anything to give me a reason to give a shit. Like, I'm not rooting for anybody in the swim meet. I don't care about... You, 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 the, the drug dealer isn't vicious enough for me to be like, oh, I hope I hope they get that guy. I don't care. No. It's just no. nobody's nobody's a hero to me. Nobody's a villain. No. Nobody's... And yeah, we're clearly and trying to set up this drug dealer as the villain, yeah. but he doesn't have enough of an antagonistic personality. Not at all. To meet the stakes of the fight that Eileen is trying to wage, it, we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go to this fella's domain here yep. in, in the next scene, which is a water park arcade. Yeah, it's, it's a parkade, like Funland or something like it's that. Called is what it's called Playland. It's Playland. a big arcade, which is 1982, so arcades are big, I but they're also like water slides and things. Yeah, yeah. 
It's um, like a putt putt. It's like a, it's like a putt putt or golf and stuff. Yeah. So kid. it's not clear immediately that he's the proprietor of this establishment. I, I truly think that. he's just hanging out to like try mm-hmm. to sell drugs to people two feet shorter than he is. Ken, the drug dealer, is strolling through Playland. We'll find out later that he's the proprietor of this establishment, mm-hmm. and Scotty is there playing pinball but he's out of quarters and so ken breaks the pinball machine so he can play for free and then offers him a ride home and i'm like "Mm, you already know this guy's a drug dealer do you really think he's gonna do anything for you out of the goodness of his heart no and he's not a good drug dealer he's number one he's operating out of an arcade in a a, a los angeles suburb it's a real hansel and gretel uh, situation he's got going on. He lures the kids in with pinball machines right. and then shoves them in the oven of drugs. And then, But but likewise, uh, that Julie comes up and says, hey, that cocaine you gave me for having sex with you was a little light. And he's like, that's the way it goes. <laughs> yes. This is this is a joke that's going to play to a very specific <laughs> section of our people, uh, our listeners. But I started calling this dude Vanilla Iceberg Slim. <laughs> Wow. I felt real proud of that. Because wow. he's like, ooh, I'm a big time gangster here in this arcade. Hey, don't worry about that pinball game. It's on me. That's yep. just and then we go to this dude's fucking house. Yes. So okay. Kent's given like the hard sell on Scotty. He's like, Hey, shouldn't you be a drug dealer? Yeah, I want Everybody you to be my main man. Dealers. My last guy got arrested. And I'm like, not Great. a selling point. Don't bring that up. That your don't last that kid up. got arrested. Um, but he says, let's go, you know, like, I want you to be my main man. Let me show you what drug dealing can buy you. And he opens the door to the saddest place on earth. It's so sad. I am not a woman in the eighties, but I was like, Ooh, I got to get out of here. (laughs) Scotty, Scotty says outstanding. And it's definitely what a 14 year old kid would think would be outstanding. But like a grown ass man should not be living in this setup. Three uncoordinated, unaffiliated neon (laughs) installments. There are lips. There's a palm tree. And then there's some sort of clock. Yeah. There's a super large leather sectional sofa of of the kind that you mostly associate with being left out on the curb. Like you Mm -hmm. see those things on the curb, people getting rid of them. You don't see them in the pride of place in someone's living room. no. No, you'll see it in cribs every now and then, just because it's like the most expensive leather thing you can buy, which at some point, there's this amazing store. I used to live right off the Sunset Strip, and I'd like walk up and down the Sunset Strip, and there is like a store where it's like, hey, are you are you too rich for your own good? Here's some stuff you can buy. <laughs> and it was all the most gaudy leather or animal print stuff in the world. Like there was constantly... Like unironically, those like high heel shoe. Seats. Oh yes, there's always like that like, in Glendale. Yes, I've seen. Yes, and you're also you're always like the is this fanciest version of fake? that possible. Is this a front for something? Like who it is really buying this like stuff? It. And girl, the chandeliers on display yes. in that store. Whew. Yes, I know exactly. Even what Sia was about. like enough. <laughs> See you later. Hey, that's um, right, everybody. Oh my god. <laughs> That's right, people. A couple months off, we're still bringing the heat. <laughs> so uh, Kenny tells yeah. us in this moment 
that even though he is a drug dealer, he never drinks or or does drugs, which I believe because he's so fucking boring. Like, I totally believe that. And there's also, you know, that was a big thing in the 80s that drug dealers are so canny that they would never get high on their own supply Uh, because they know how bad drugs are for you. So maybe it's because it's one of the 10 crack commandments, Chelsea, (laughs) as laid out by Moses. I'm sorry. Notorious (laughs) B.I.G. Okay. To, to crack, to, it's like number eight, I believe. Okay. Don't get high okay. on your own supply. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not going to tell you to go listen to the Ten Crack Commandments, but I'm saying if you want to know what the Ten Crack Commandments are, yeah, there's, a, there's a resource for you. Yeah, there's a place to find it. So It's like, hey, check out my other fucking suitcase. And, uh, <laughs> this, You've seen you my saw suitcase my, full of drugs. You saw my Here's cemetery the- suitcase. Here's my at-home suitcase. <laughs> it's full of money and guns. Cemetery suitcase was 100% the first, like, it was on the list of My Chemical Romances. <laughs> like, what are we going to call ourselves? Cemetery suitcase? Cemetery suitcase. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. I like that. Yes. That's, that's great. That's my going out valise. This is my staying home valise. It's full of drugs, and uh, guns, and money. Um, And then he's like, look, guns and money and leather sectional sofa. And don't you want instant popularity? You're smart. You have talents. And then Kenny hits him with the, I know your struggles and pressures. You're exactly like me. So it's like he's he's hitting him with all of the drug dealer uh, fanfare. He's like, look at all the stuff I've got. You'll be super popular. And also nobody understands you but me. It's a real hard sell. It is. Here's the thing. Uh, I was real honest with myself. This would have gotten me. To dealing drugs. It's it's not like he's really smart, but it just hits all the right things. Yep. Neon, check. Uh, 13, 14 year old me would have been like fucking as much neon as I could stand, which is three things. Uh, arcades, check. Check. Uh, uh, sectional couch. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> just to have it a suitcase for any reason, I'd been like, oh, I'm a professional now. Uh, yeah, this would have, I would have, I would have 100%. Like a like a shitty Giovanni Ribisi Pinocchio, I would have been like, sign me up for the donkey. <laughs> where island, do I please. sign? <laughs> yes, where do I sign up for drugs? So, the- <laughs> which is probably also something I would have said to a drug dealer. Oh, where do I sign up for drugs? Can I write you a check? Yeah. So, <laughs> mom, uh, back we're back at the house now. Uh, mom wonders if her kid's on dope, and dad says, "Not our son." And I want to be like, "Do you even know where he is right now?" Yeah. He's he's with uh he's with a dude who's still bummed out about the Cobra Kai dojo shutting down. <laughs> I think somewhere. you're using you're using bummed wrong. So um, <laughs> also that. <laughs> but yeah, I just want they're both like well, well this is the, the are we good they're in parents? Room. And I want to be like, can you check his room? Like, you don't even know where he's your 15-year-old kid is right now. This is I'm sorry, I'm just making sure I'm in the right thing. This is where they're in they're in like the parents' room and they're they're in bed yes. in their overly business pajamas. Yes. Everybody is fully dressed. And then dad says the shittiest thing that I've heard uh, a dad say to a mom in, in a TV movie in a, in a minute. Um, dad says, mom's like, I feel like I'm failing. You know, like I feel like I, I want to, to give our kids a great life and take care of them and make sure they're safe. But I feel like I'm failing. And dad says, I'm failing too, but at least I can pay the bills. Yes. And I was like, uh, what? I wrote down, that's what led to a person like me. <laughs> what the actual fuck? Like, first of all. I'm bad at being like, a parent, but I pay the fucking bills. Good. 
Yeah. Rest, rest on those laurels, friend. It's both a, like, let me ad- abdicate my emotional responsibility because I'm too busy paying bills. And also, it's like, shade on you, mom. Like, you... We're both fucking terrible parents, but at least I'm contributing economically to this family. It's and terrible. Like hot, off, hot off the heels of her saying, uh, well, look, wouldn't you have to work less if, if I got a job? And he's like, I need you at home cooking and cleaning. Thank yes. you. Yes. Because it's still the early 80s. Yes. Uh, and yeah. then he's like, well, you're not contributing financially. And yeah, I'm like, I was, I just heard her say, offer to, to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so these yeah, are the that, worst that, parents that, ever. So no wonder a, that the kids are... Off running around with drug dealers in the middle of the night. Also, the dad looks like a very chill Biff Tannen. He does. Yeah. So everybody in this movie looks like somebody except for Helen Hunt, who actually is Helen Hunt. So, um, <laughs> Good call. So Scott's crush Susan because everybody mm-hmm. we got Sandy and Sandy and Steve and Scotty and Susan. Um, Susan tries to buy pot from him, but he won't sell it to her because he says she's too special and he doesn't want to corrupt her. And she's like, um, you do it. And he's like, yeah, but somehow, even though it's good for me, it's not good for you, which is, I just don't, I just don't understand this kid's line of, I mean, like this, this character is a, is like a tangled knot of motivations and cause and effect. Doesn't make it makes no sense at all. Um, and but then, let's let's not get away from this without realizing that Susan is is number one. I hope you like hearing. I don't want to be Little Bo Peep anymore because that oh is God. Susan's greatest fucking hit. She's gonna play it at every concert. <laughs> it's her only character trait. She's like, you want to hear? Someone little... called her Little Bo Peep at some point. One time, or that's the only thing. So she says, "I'm not Little Bo Peep. I'm grown up. Everybody else is doing it." And then halfway through, I'm like, "Is Susan peer pressuring herself?" <laughs> yes, yes, and also Susan. If drugs are as easy to get at this school as Eileen says they are, mm-hmm. go ask someone else. Sorry you have to wait in the line there, but <laughs> right. follow the principle. So the next thing that happens is Eileen's going to get incensed about something. She walks into the girls' room and finds like 10 <laughs> girls passing joints around. And this creeps me This creeps me the fuck out in COVID times to see a bunch of people 100%. passing around something that they're all putting in their mouths. I'm well, like, they're all, they're all <gasps> shotgunning it to each other. They're having, they're having fun with smoking. They're not yeah. just smoking pop. They're like, hey, why don't I blow smoke in your face? Oh, that's great. Now here, you try it on me. They're having a, 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 a gay old time with uh, with smoking, and Eileen walks in and showers everyone with disapproval. Except for there's one girl who's not smoking. She very clearly points out that she is not involved, mm-hmm. and then she leaves the bathroom, and that will be important later. So she doesn't have a name. She barely has lines. But remember this. this there's one girl in the whole school. She yeah. appears in this scene who is not active, an active drug user. These so, uh, these girls scared me, by the way. Like, yeah, they're too oh, smart. I was, like, I was like, oh, no, they... They're in control of this situation, Eileen. You gotta go. Yeah. Like, get out of the. This is not. This is. You're gonna die on this this hill. <laughs> they give her straight gonna, back talk, and they're and they're like for they every throw point. the joint in the fucking toilet and flush it. And they're like, you ain't got no evidence. Fucking shut up, bitch. Yeah, Which they're is like what you all can't the kids are saying anything. these days. <laughs> yeah, they're like you can't prove anything. What are you gonna bring them a handful of smoke? And I was like, oh, 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 oh. these girls are frightening to me. And they're also like, you know, adults, you you and other adults drink, so you have no moral authority. And I, I was like... People are throwing this around all <laughs> damn day. <laughs> and 
That doesn't make any sense, but Eileen no. is is cowed by well, this argument that if she has ever had a yeah. glass of wine with dinner, she cannot tell kids not to smoke pot. The unfortunate thing is nobody in this TV movie says, hey, shut up, kid, which is all you need to say, but you don't have to be like, oh, you're also, right, I, I am in charge by val- by I am in charge by... By authority of the fact that I'm an employee of the school and I was put in charge of you, yeah. I can march you to the principal's office with no evidence and accuse you because I am a teacher. Fair yeah. or not fair, that is the way the power structure is set up in this high school. Like, yeah. you can't, what are you going to do? It's like, we're not on the same level. I don't have yeah. to prove shit. I'm, this I'm a teacher. Yeah, we aren't all in some sort of, we're not all on the police force together. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm trying to bust right. some corrupt cops. No, ma'am, you're already guilty. I just have to say so. I just have to see you. It's just that no one fucking cares. Cut to Sandy's useless boyfriend, Steve, and his gorgeous fair faucet mane cooking what I thought at first was meth in the school chem lab, but then I realized it's the 80s, so it's PCP. It's angel dust. It Um, is. And I'm this like, drug was the absolute boogeyman when I was in grade 100%. school. This yeah. was the thing no one really understood what it did. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the thing that make you kill your mom. You know, like this is. You'll this pick is up a car thing. and throw it at the police. Uh, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll go on a rampage. It's, it's, yeah, it's such a legitimate boogeyman drug that you get to a point where you demonize it enough that I'm like, well, why does anybody do that right what are the upsides yes so let me tell you the actual because i looked them up let's do it Uh, i still i'm gonna say this to this day i still don't know a single thing about angel dust at all either this is also like not a thing that anyone that i know is a fan of i know a lot of people that are you know fans of a lot of substances but i don't know a single person who's like pcp that's my jam so anybody who's ever done pcp ever so, according to AmericanAddictionCenters.org, which I trust to give me the straight dope on all the worst things that could happen. Well, straight dope. Um, Phenocyclidine, otherwise known as PCP, is a hallucinogenic disassociative drug oh. that comes in the form of powder or a clear yellowish liquid. And um, this can be referred to as angel dust, amp, rocket fuel, or animal tranquilizer, which feels like not a great I code name like you need because to, it's yeah. already a thing. Um, hey, here's a, it came up with a clever new name for PCP. It's called Oreos. No, just Oreos, the cookie Oreos. That's the whole nickname. <laughs> the whole thing. Um, it was introduced in the 1950s as an anesthetic. Um, but again, like a lot of drugs be- began with a medicinal use and then somebody realized like, oh shit, uh, we can't give this to pregnant women. And, um, now it is used for its psychoactive effects and you can smoke it like marijuana. It can be added to eye drops, blah, 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 blah. And smoking or injecting causes a more rapid onset of affairs. So the, uh, sorry, more rapid onset of effects. So. Um, the psychological effects of PCP include euphoria, calmness, disorientation, hallucination, loss of coordination, um, bizarre behavior, stupor, uh, sense of detachment, agitation. So I think the euphoria thing must be the upside. But then it's got to be it, something to it, right? But then it also <laughs> says that a person on PCP. Also, often has a strong sense of strength and invulnerability, leading them to actions that may be unintentionally harmful and dangerous. Mm. Um, so it can it can also cause difficulty speaking, lack of body control, um, 
flushed skin, unconsciousness, blurred vision, basically like you kind of lose control of your body and it is a mind altering drug. It changes your mood and behavior. It, you can get very realistic hallucinations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it makes you feel like you're floating, uninhabited, uninhibited, have no fear. Um, but I don't see anything in here that would make me think that you would think to do the thing that Helen Hunt does. No, you you wouldn't. It it especially not like that's the only thing we see her do. So it's in my mind. It is she has a little snort of angel dust, and then the next second uh, she has a psychobilly freak out. Yeah, and I'm sure that like uh, it does sound fucking dangerous. Like I'm sure that people yeah. hurt themselves after after smoking PCP. All of the time. But what happens is, so this, Steve is making it in the school chemistry lab because he's a a genius, I guess. And also like, (laughs) where are, where are the classes? Where are the teachers? Does anyone do anything but swim at this school? Um, And (laughs) well, people also drown at this school, Chelsea. So (laughs) the joke's on you. Um, So Sandy comes in and they're dating and he's like, oh, I really want you to, to, try some of my batch of PCP. And she says no about eight times. Yeah. And he's pulling out all the boyfriend cards like a fucking creep. Yeah. Um, well, if you really trusted me, if you really loved me, I want to share it's, this with you. I want to be special our, with you. It's our six-week anniversary. Yes. And I made this especially for you on our six-week anniversary. The, uh, yeah. And, and then he's like, I'm just going to give you this little bump that you'll snort. And it's it's... It's like licking the bowl after your mom makes cookies. That's what he basically says. And I want to be like, then you fucking do it. If it's so great and it's so safe, then you fucking do it. Well, Chelsea, as a man, I can tell you, dudes only want one thing. And it is is a lady whacked out on angel dust. (laughs) There's nothing more attractive than possibly being hurt by a, a woman who's out of control. Right. And also, like, it's easier than trying your own drugs. Get a guinea pig in here. Sure. So... Now we cut from there, from the chemistry lab, to an actually really sweet scene of Scotty finally getting up the courage to ask out Susan, little Bo Peep, Mm -hmm. um, to go on a date with him. And Mm -hmm. this is going well. They both seem to be uh, sober. (laughs) They're, you know, actually having a cute little scene. And the next thing that happens, the next thing we know there's is a, Helen Hunt loses her fucking mind. Yup. There's a scream and then it fucking happens. Uh, <laughs> the music goes insane. Yup. The music is very, the music will tell you how to feel every step of the way in this movie. Yeah. And the, the music loses its mind. And the next thing we see, and this is what I remember so clearly from watching mm-hmm. this in school, is a person jump through a plate glass window and out a second story window watching it now as an adult i'm like that's a man in a wig but at the you know at the time you think this is helen hunt jumping from the second story chemistry lab screaming i'm invincible landing on the ground and in my mind that's where the movie i thought that was it yeah no i no i thought that was the end of the scene first of all i i need i need to i need to mention this every single time that i've seen this i I immediately am delighted, obviously, because it's the music and the the scene and it's in a bit of slow motion. Uh, But every single time I'm like, quote unquote, Helen Hunt jumps out the window and clearly jumps out the window with some sort of like high judo kick. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> like her, you gotta break the glass first. I guess so. Her foot is like extended at like a professional karate angle. <laughs> She's like yeah, and then falls to the ground in a PCP uh, clump. Yes, I mean, but I'm just just even looking at the effects and dangers of PCP use. Nowhere in there does it say that you'll believe you can fly. That you will believe that it would be fun to jump out a window. That you can't be killed. Like it says that you you will have a strong sense of strength and invulnerability. Well, I think but that's I, what they're they're banking on here because she picks up glass like a stretch. and she starts, well, I mean, <laughs> she also had a very little bit of angel dust. And folks, of course, there's obviously too much desperation and livelihood <laughs> to talk about in this one episode. So we're actually going to uh, cut it there and then we'll come back with a brief recap and the rest of that infamous scene on our next episode. Yeah, so in the place where I thought for many years this movie ended, we're going to end this oh, episode of our podcast. That's only going to reinforce there's so things. much left of Desperate Lives. Well, I have True. a question. Why, did, why Why would you think that this ended here? Like, wouldn't it just the, the movie keep continue or is no because like- i thought it was like a morality tale like yeah. you'll jump out a window and kill yourself if you try drugs end of lesson like, the the way that it's as dramatic as it is you can't believe that anything gets more dramatic than this moment right in the I, world i thought that was the <laughs> that was the for years when i thought of this movie i thought and it ends with helen hunt jumping out a plate glass window but that's yeah. not this is there's so much left we are but we'll have to come back to it um, and so, yeah, so we will see you next time with the second half of our Desperate Lives examination. Absolutely. See you then. Bring snacks. Bye.